0: That's right. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Igloo, an intranet you'll actually use. Visit igloosoftware.com slash smart people to get started. It's free for up to 10 people
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Smart People Podcast, conversations that satisfy your curious mind. So happy you could be here today. Thanks for joining us, and we will not disappoint. Our guest this week, not only an awesome guy, but a lot of great value to bring and things to put in the world and a special offer for you. This week, I interviewed Jonathan Levy. Jonathan is an entrepreneur. His first business success came in college when Inc. Magazine named his company one of the top small private companies in the country. Since then, he's done many things, but perhaps his most interesting is how he has mastered and taught the art of super learning, which is what we spend the majority of this episode discussing. As Jonathan explains, when he was getting his master's degree, he was given a ton of reading, a lot of information to consume, and luckily, right at that time, he was introduced to a super learning genius, a guru, if you will, that taught him all of the strategies regarding speed reading and advanced memorization. He's now turned this technique into one of the top selling online courses of all time on Udemy, which is the leader in the online course space. So much so that the CEO of Udemy recommended his course specifically and said it was one of the best courses on there. So it's great to have Jonathan on the show to pick his brain about speed reading, advanced memorization, entrepreneurship, And how to just be a smarter person. The other great thing is Jonathan is offering a huge discount on his course to you guys. And I want you to know we're not getting any money for this. This isn't an affiliate program or anything. Jonathan's just an awesome guy that I've had the pleasure of talking to a few times. Thanks to an introduction from one of our listeners. Shout out to Charlie. I've also bought his course. I'm currently going through it. I love it. I would recommend it for anyone interested in this subject. So here's the deal. Jonathan's course normally retails for $149. Jonathan is basically giving it away to Smart People Podcast listeners. And you can get it for $15. One five. And again, over 10,000 people have already bought his course. It's one of the top sellers. So to get it for $15, just go to jle.dotvi/smartpeople. That'll take you straight to his course at Udemy or Udemy. Uh, also, if you want, you can go straight to Udemy, which is u d e m y dot com. Find his course. His last name's Levy, L e v i, and you can type in the coupon code at checkout: Smart People or Smart Hyphen People altogether. And again, uh, that's like a 90% discount, so that's pretty crazy. He's given us hundreds of those coupon codes, so pass them around, tell your friends, buy the course, check it out, become a speed reader and a super learner. How cool is that? Okay, going to turn it over to Jonathan here. Make sure to head on over to smartpeoplepodcast.com. Check us out. We're going to put links to the course in the show notes so you can find it there. And also sign up for the newsletter at smartpeoplepodcast.com so that you can get offers like this delivered straight to your inbox. Also, if you enjoy the show, we really appreciate if you go to iTunes and leave a rating and a review. I know you're probably sitting there going, oh, you know, maybe I'll get to it when I get to my office or when I get home. And that's cool. I just make a note or something. We really appreciate it. If you enjoy the show, it helps us out. All right. Here it is. Jonathan Levy. Catch you on the outro. Jonathan, thanks for being on the show, man. I am so excited to talk to you today. Uh, we've gotten to know each other over the past couple conversations and what you do with learning and what you've done in your past and the things you've created are so fascinating. I, Man, I'm just, I'm so glad to have you on the show and share you with the audience. Thanks so much. Thanks. I'm really happy to be here. So, I mean, let's dive in. I want to talk about what super learning is. Obviously, I want this episode to be based around that. So first, let's just cover what is a super learner, and then we'll get into a little bit more about your background.
2: Yeah, so uh, for me, a super learner is someone who's able to process, consume, absorb, and synthesize a huge amount of information in a very short period of time. So that can sound a little bit confusing, but uh, the quintessential example for me is someone like Tim Ferriss or Elon Musk, someone who can set out and say, "Look, I want to learn how to salsa dance," or, you know, I sold my software company. I want to make electric cars, and they can kind of process such a huge amount of information and become an expert in that field, in what would normally take, uh, you know half of a lifetime or or half of a career they, they're they able to do in, you know, a matter of months.
1: You know, it's funny that you mentioned Elon Musk, the, uh, the nonprofit that I work for right now was founded by uh, a, a VP of SpaceX who worked. Awesome. Yeah, he worked directly with Elon. It was one of the reasons why I wanted to help found this company with him. And he still tells me some really amazing stories about exactly what you said. Like, Elon decided, you know what, I want to learn rocket science and literally Mm -hmm. taught himself rocket science.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, you know, he, of course, has a superhuman work ethic, and that's without a doubt. But I don't think most of us, uh, I don't think most people would be able to do that. I think most people would take 10 years getting getting a PhD in rocket science to get to where he has in any one of his fields. So he's always a great example of of someone who's a self-taught super learner.
1: And, you know, Tim Ferriss is one of those people that I, I admire him. I read his books. But then I also sometimes wonder, is he just taking advantage of people's people always looking for the easy way out, the quick cure, the hey, do more, get less, the hack mentality? What do you think about that?
2: Yes and no. I mean, um, yeah. He had a, actually a really interesting TV show that he recorded a bunch of episodes and most of them never saw the light of day, um, but it gave a really nice insight into how he actually goes about learning something. And I'm sure there was a lot of editing that happened, but the reality is, is he's able to acquire skills. One of the, one of the shows that I did see, he was able to learn conversational Filipino in a week. Now, of course, only very specific topics, but still an incredible feat. Um and a lot you know a lot of what tim talks about is not revolutionary it's not stuff that he's come up with uh for example the pareto principle or you know what's often called the 8020 rule not revolutionary stuff but to apply it to different aspects of your life can have pretty revolutionary impacts and i really believe you know 80% of our efforts are wasted and in 20% of the time we accomplish 80% of what uh what actually needs to be done and i think there are a lot of strong takeaways from there, uh, whether or not, you know, he himself is able to learn or, or do or, you know, without cutting corners.
1: You know, the other thing I wonder often about this, this subject, super learning, hacking, if you will, doing more with less. Do you ever think it takes the joy out of things? It's always a battle or a struggle, or it's always do faster, do more, instead of just be and and live and enjoy type thing.
2: Uh, also, yes and no. I hate to answer all your questions no, about no, yes and no, but uh, to some extent, yeah. And and one of the biggest questions I get about the speed reading aspect of my course is, you know, do you speed read everything? Definitely not. Um, you know, something where the literary prose or flow of the text uh, is critical, something like Shakespeare or poetry. I'm definitely not going to speed read. Um, with that said, I mean, I, I tend to think that, uh, if I can get the same effect or better, and that is something that we promise, you know, in our method, in our courses, you'll actually comprehend more of what you read. If you read it, you know, in, in the super learner fashion, uh, I tend to think that you derive more enjoyment from it. With that said, I, I do want to say, like, there is there is a point where you have to kind of shut off the the optimization and tweaking mentality and say, look, you know, I just want to enjoy uh, enjoy a night out with friends, and this isn't about optimizing or getting the most out of the experience. Do you ever find it hard to make that switch? Definitely, okay. all the time, all the time. I mean, um, I I'm guilty of even trying to uh, to kind of. Yeah. Optimize, optimize my interactions. So, you know, often people will say, why don't we grab a beer? And I say, why don't we go for a run instead? Or why don't we go to a museum instead? Because, you know, I can, I've been meaning to see this museum and I can kind of hit two birds with one stone and yeah. we'll have more fun. We'll have more to talk about, you know, in this interaction. And we'll get to see that art exhibitor, that museum. I'm definitely guilty of not being able to switch it off.
1: It's good to know just because there are times like I'm always, I'm in, I'm very social and I do marketing and I'm always kind of thinking in that mode and not the evil kind of marketing, like what can they do for me, but what can I do for them? Who can I connect them to? How can this conversation be better? And it does sometimes stress me out and get annoying, right? Well, so you've mentioned your course a couple of times, and and really, the I found you actually a listener said, "Hey, you got to talk to this guy." We caught up. I bought your course. It's amazing. Um, Thank you. And Thank you. you know, in the intro, we we gave uh, a discount and, and coupon to our listeners, so I'm sure they'll be eating that up. But I want to, I guess, first um, let's talk. Let's go back a little bit and let's talk about uh, you know your background. You've been in a lot of things. Started companies. I'd say a very um, successful entrepreneur. Tell us a little bit more about your background. Yeah, so uh, I
2: started out with entrepreneurship uh, very, very early. I didn't, I didn't really have an uh, an example or a role model of kind of a salaried employee in my household, and so I always believed that if you needed, uh, you needed income. You know, you wanted that new bike or you wanted that new skateboard. You kind of just started a company. So I was starting quote unquote companies," uh, you know by the time I was five, you know um, going door to door and selling handmade goods and stuff like that. I give a lecture actually, often to groups of young entrepreneurs about failure, and I always like to tell people I had four failures before I was sixteen, you know, uh, starting all kinds of different startups. I dabbled in web design, I dabbled in uh, djing, entertainment, stuff like that. At age 16, I started a company selling luxury automotive enhancements, which was kind of the thing to do for a 16 year old kid. And uh, the company grew much faster than I could have anticipated. And I ran that company through college. In uh, 2011, it became one of Inc. magazine's fastest growing private companies in America, at which point I decided it was a good idea to sell it. From there, I uh, came to Israel, did a little work in venture capital decided I wanted to get my MBA so went to Singapore and France. Uh, Around about that time I hired just because of the huge amount of stress of running a little software side business and running uh, kind of my personal life and getting an MBA and all of that kind of stuff. uh, Around that time I hired a couple private tutors to help me relearn how to learn. i had always had difficulty managing my learning and because I move around so much and because I do so many different things I'm I was constantly challenged to uh, you know, learn everything that I need to learn and absorb all the information and still have time to live a life. It was a huge challenge for me in my undergraduate uh, and less of a challenge in my graduate degree because of these techniques. So once I finished up my MBA, you know, dabbled in a bunch of new projects and finally got tired of people uh, inviting me to lunch and asking me to break down you know, how I read so quickly, how I remember so much. <laughs> You know, you get asked to lunch five or six times, and finally you say, "You know what? I should just record record this conversation that I have over and over." And that's exactly what I did. I, I worked with the two tutors, who uh, typically don't teach the course, or at that time did not teach the course uh, online or in English. Translated all the materials, worked with them to develop some new materials and techniques that had helped me. And, you know, today we have, uh, I think, 14,000 students in uh, 95, 96 countries.
1: Wow. Yeah, it, is, it has been a crazy success. I want to talk a little bit about your entrepreneurial background. I thought one of the things you said really interest you know, that was really interesting is when you were growing up, if you needed income, you started a company. That was just yeah. what it <laughs> was in your household. And I really envy that because my personal mentality is I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to do things on my own. I don't like working for others, et cetera, et cetera. However, I grew up in a very, you know, you get a job and um, my dad then became very successful in it and it, it worked for him. So it's a struggle, right? Going against how I grew up and what I feel I want. And you don't see those success stories necessarily. So For somebody with your mentality and it just was natural, what would you say is the key? Like, how do you just keep pressing on trying new things without really getting beaten down by it all? By,
2: you mean by the failures or by just the stress?
1: Well, like both, right? So actually, literally both. I mean, what I've found, because I failed a million times, is I don't always give myself enough time to get really good at it, right? Because I'll try Mm. it and it doesn't work and I'll move on. And sometimes I wonder, you know, I'm good at a lot of things, but I don't feel like I'm great at many things right now. Is that the, just the crux of entrepreneurship?
2: Yeah. You know, I think to be an entrepreneur is to be nimble because, well, first off, that's how entrepreneurial and small businesses succeed, right? Um, If Google and Facebook and all of that could do everything and could be so nimble, there would never be startups. So to be nimble, to be agile, to be able to respond quickly to market trends and things like that, that's definitely a critical skill in being an entrepreneur, but also to be nimble in your mindset. Um, I can't tell you how many entrepreneurs I've met who are so in love with their idea uh, that they kind of pursue it tirelessly. And there is this cliched image of the entrepreneur you know, who is told no 27 times before, somebody finally invests in their company. Right. I don't believe in that. I, I have to tell you, I don't believe in that. I believe the best entrepreneurs are the one who hear, are the ones, excuse me, who hear no two or three times and say, "You know what? I like this idea. This is how I see the company being built, but I'd rather be successful than right." Uh. And uh, you know, even I failed probably a dozen times at this point, uh, and I've succeeded a few times. You know, I've been very fortunate to succeed. But even so, a year and a half, two years ago, I had this idea of a uh, social advertising startup. And I thought that because I have some experience and some failure that I knew the way this was going to play out. I thought I knew how the social ad marketplace would look. And I failed because I went through the motions of talking to customers. I went through the motions of doing the market research. And you can manipulate research any way to find the conclusion you want. So really, I think... On a little bit of a tangent, but I think entrepreneurs today are so fortunate because you have this almost religion of lean and customer development and, you know, the lean startup, the business model canvas that really drill it into your head that when you start a business, you don't know anything. And if you think you know something, you think you know about your customers, you think you know what features your product needs, you think you know what your business model is going to be, you're wrong. (laughs) You're probably wrong, you know. And so I think that's great because it allows you to be nimble. It allows you to embrace failure as learning and not as failure. And really, for me, that's the trick.
1: Yeah. You know, one of the things, because I've heard that a number of times about now is the best time to be an entrepreneur. And I definitely agree for every reason you stated, every obvious reason, connectivity, ease of, you know, acquiring things, cost. What about the fact that everything is so saturated? So like even we've talked about courses, there's a lot of courses out there. There's, um, you know, millions and tens and hundreds of millions of blogs and totally. it's just totally. that part almost seems like am I adding anything new to the world? Mm. So I have two thoughts on that. The first is that
2: we're really moving towards a very taste-specific economy. You know, 10 years, well, let's let's take it back to the first car, right? You can have it in any color as long as it's black, right? You had one option. Today, there are Thousands of models of cars, and you can get exactly what you want with exactly the options. I mean, even if you order a specific model BMW, there's 1.2 million variations, right? And I think that's true of content, and I think that's true of products, and I think that's true of a lot of different things. 10 years ago, you know, Facebook and Friendster and MySpace were the social networks. Today, you have dozens of social networks depending on your needs, and you know, you have LinkedIn, but you also have Path. And you also have a hundred different dating websites, which are for specific needs. You know, I even saw a dating website that was for Buddhist vegans only, right? And so, because we have this diversity of tastes, I think we're moving towards an economy where everybody gets, uh, you know, pretty much exactly what they want. It's kind of the full realization of Adam Smith's invisible hand that if I want a podcast that's very, very specific, you know, not general smart people, but smart people only in the field of uh, nuclear toxicology. <laughs> there's, there's probably a podcast for that. And there's probably, because we're connecting billions of people, there are probably, you know, at least a couple hundred thousand people who would listen to that every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really interesting. And I think that's where I've carved my niche, because there are a million speed reading courses and uh, there are millions of people who failed from those speed reading courses because they need the memory training and they need the kind of uh, optimization techniques that we teach. So that's that's what I would say is uh, find your niche, know your niche. And um, you don't, we don't all have to be generalists like the Apples and Googles of the world.
1: You know why I really like that? I, I've asked that question to a few people, but for some reason, I think without blatantly saying it, you at least made it feel that part of it is being really bringing your own value, like taking, taking understanding and being comfortable with the fact that if you tried to put something out, just like someone else, it would still be different and different in a way that some might find valuable over the other. And I I think that takes a lot of the stress off of like, Oh, I have to try so hard to be unique. Instead it's maybe try to make your best product, incorporate your life, your knowledge and there are people, hopefully, that will vibe with it. And if not, you move on.
2: Right, and I think uh, you know the first and most important thing is to really know who those people are.
1: Mm.
2: Uh, I really, really love this. Uh, I think it came from Eric Reese. It might have come from Steve Blank, but I love this idea that uh, you should know your customers so so well that you know what they have on average for breakfast every morning. <laughs> if you don't know that, then you know you probably don't know what their purchasing habits are. One quick point, though, I, I wouldn't be a specialist in memory if I uh, didn't remember that I had a, a second point. I, I promised two oh, responses. Nice. Okay. The second was that um, you know, in terms of saturation and stuff like that, I've recently came to a similar came to a similar conclusion and decided to look away from you know the same old uh, kind of targeting towards Europe and the U.S. because I think there is a ton of saturation, and I've spent a lot of time in the last year exploring markets in Southeast Asia and Africa. And uh, I, I wouldn't feel right not imploring your, uh, your fan base to kind of really look into these markets because the opportunities are massive. And even if, if you don't feel like you want to innovate a new business model, there are so many things that are missing in some of these markets. From, from something as basic as running water and electricity, uh, and you can make these huge impacts. And at the end of the day, I haven't met a successful entrepreneur who's really, really in it for the money. It's usually about the impact, and I just think dollar for dollar and uh, month of of labor spent, you can have so much more impacts. If you look off the beaten path and and off the grid a little bit to markets, maybe it's not Africa or Southeast Asia, but to markets where people are underserved, and uh, there's something called the poverty premium where, you know, someone in Nigeria, in rural Nigeria, is spending about 80 cents a day on kerosene, whereas you, you know, in, uh, in the East Coast of the U.S., you're probably spending a dollar a day for electricity for your whole house. Mm. And, uh, and it's tragic, but it's also a great opportunity because you can go into these markets, you can develop products, you can develop software, you can develop services for profit and charge for these services and still be giving people tremendous value. So that would be my second response, not to kind of give a a soapbox kind of lecture, but my, my second response would be, if you feel that your market around you is saturated, find another market.
0: We'll be right back to this interview after a quick word from our sponsors.
1: Let's take a moment to thank our sponsor this week, Igloo. If you've ever worked in a corporate environment, you know how painful intranets can be. For some, they resemble a clunky repository of outdated information and good luck accessing it on your phone. Igloo is an intranet you'll actually like. It's built with easy-to-use apps like file sharing, blogs, calendars, and task management. It works on any device from your laptop to your tablet to your phone. And if you need to make changes, you don't need to hire a team of developers. The drag-and-drop interface and WYSIWYG editor make it as easy to update as the consumer apps you use at home. If you're avoiding your intranet by sending email attachments back and forth, take Igloo for a spin. Visit igloosoftware.com smartpeople to get started, and it's free for up to 10 people. Again, that's igloosoftware.com smartpeople. Yeah. No, I think it's really good to remember that because as you mentioned, the, you know, recently people have been talking about the triple bottom line and all that, but there is a lot of truth behind that. And the example you just gave, I think really, it gets to the heart of why people start almost anything, even this podcast, right? Like we didn't think anybody was going to listen, but we thought, (laughs) man, it'll be cool to just talk to smart people and whoever wants to tag along can, you know, totally, totally. So let's talk about learning. Now let's get into the good stuff. Sure. All right. So super learner, we, we can speed read books, we can memorize everything, we can acquire all this information. Does that mm-hmm. sound about right? It does. It does. <laughs> so teach us how to do that. <laughs> uh, how much time do you have? Yeah, exactly. No, I mean so, let's let's talk about you know um, I, like I, I bought your course and I, I think one of the most fascinating things was you talk about how you have to do it in the proper steps. Tell us why that is and what those steps are. So
2: in the course, I am sorry you'll have to hear this a second time, but I give a metaphor that I really really like, which is imagine you have a garden hose and then you have a small funnel, plastic funnel, and you have a bucket. And, you know, you're kind of pouring water through this hose into the funnel and eventually it ends up in the bucket. And, you know, periodically you kind of uh, empty the bucket out. You miss a little bit of what's flowing through the funnel, but you immediately replace the bucket and all is well and good. But then imagine you go about switching the hose and you switch it to a fire hose. And in, uh, you know, one-tenth of a millisecond, the plastic funnel gets smashed to smithereens, and about another tenth of a second after that, the bucket gets smashed to smithereens and the whole system breaks down. And this is the metaphor that I like to use for when people train in speed reading or, uh, or other kinds of techniques of rapidly absorbing information, speeding up videos, things like that, without first training their memory. Uh, your mind has an infrastructure. You have working memory, short-term memory, and long-term memory. And they're set up in such a way to store memories on the fly as you go. Uh, if you don 't upgrade that infrastructure first it 's a lot like running uh, you know running a garden hose to try and fill a bucket or i 'm sorry running a fire hose to fill a bucket and uh, you 'll break down that infrastructure and which is why a lot of people really believe to this day that speed reading is a hoax because they take a class they take a seminar in college speed reading by the way is only of our course, Uh, it's pretty easy to teach you how to absorb information very quickly. Your eyes are pretty effective. I can make some optimizations here and there to the way you move your eyes and how much focus you place in different areas of the page. But in reality, I can teach you to absorb information very quickly. The 60% though is great. You can read a 300 page book in two hours, two and a half hours. How do you store that, right? How do you create memories at that speed and then move them into long-term memory. It's not enough to remember what you read the next day, but you want to remember it six months from now.
1: You know, I was just thinking, I took a speed reading class, um, not even in college, like after college. And I remember, I, I very vividly remember it was, okay, read this page and now skim it and now read it three times faster. And, you know, it was just read faster and faster and eventually your brain will catch up. And I remember at the end of it, not only did I not remember anything, but I felt exhausted and stressed. And I, I have a feeling though, that that is just an adjustment that everybody has to go through.
2: Yeah. I'm the first to say, uh, people always ask me, they say, so, you know, you can read a 300 page book in two, two and a half hours. Uh, you must read a book every day or at least a book every week. And my answer is no, (laughs) because I can do that, but it's exhausting. And I'm using all my mental faculties. And once I learned how to speed read, I, like I said, I went to a, a condensed one-year MBA program where I was reading. I was one of the few people who did all the reading because I could. And then after that, I was starting a startup. So I devoured maybe 10 books on startup strategy, software development, stuff like that. And I just burnt out. And I couldn't, I couldn't sit down to read anything more than a news article for a month or two. And now I've kind of tapered off. I try to read uh, two books a month. Usually I read one um, just because I've devoured a lot of my reading list and what I actually wanted to get through. But uh, it's definitely not the case that you can kind of leisurely read. It requires a lot of focus and it's extremely exhausting. In fact, I even tell people in the course, once you become a super learner, it's likely you'll want to integrate kind of napping into your schedule uh, <laughs> to help move – to help move. Uh, a lot of the, there's a waste byproduct in the brain that's created when you're so intensely focused. And you can only move that out during sleep, but also memories can really only be ingrained and carved into the brain uh, when you're sleeping. So it is definitely an exhausting, exhausting process.
1: But the benefit being that you can get that done in exponentially less time, therefore you can still nap and be free of another eight hours or so.
2: Definitely, definitely. And uh, you know, there's also, I I do want to mention again, uh, one of the first things I said when I met, I actually met the person who would go on to be one of my tutors. I met him in an office uh, when we were working in Venture Capital. And I said to him, okay, great, but you're sacrificing the quality of your reading. He's like, why don't we both read an article and I'll remember more details than you do. Now, he reads it up to 2,000 words a minute, so twice as fast as I do. At some point, I said, enough. But the fact is, he, he retained more than I did. And I had taken a speed reading course before and failed. So I read 450 words a minute, at which is fast. It's considered pretty fast, at 30 to 40% retention. And with his method, even reading, I think he probably read it at about 1,200 words a minute, he had 80%. So wow. the, the benefits vary. For some people, it's going to be saving time. For other people, we had one student who said, you know, I came in at 650 words a minute. Now I'm at 700 words per minute, but the real benefit is now I retain 88% instead of 55. And uh, that was was his win because he's reading, uh, I think he was reading technical literature and Mm. it was very important for him to retain huge, uh, huge details and minute details.
1: Now, actually, I think we glazed over this, but the way you came about this and the course you created was done uh, together with some real experts in the field. How how did that come about and who are those people?
2: Um so I got lucky. I I really believe that uh I'm not a religious person but I believe that something in the universe, some kind of magnetism really puts us exactly in in the path of what we need at the right time. And at the time I was working in a venture capital office as an entrepreneur in residence and uh really starting to stress out actually because I was I was here in Tel Aviv, which is a great social city and I wanted time to go out And, uh, and I realized like, I'm going to want even more time to go out when I'm living in Singapore or in France, you know, knowing that an MBA is so much about networking and creating friendships and relationships. But I also knew I was going to be doing 80 to 90% of the coursework of a two year MBA in 10 months. And, uh, I was never, I was never someone who had an easy time sitting in lectures So I knew the burden of the work was going to fall in my self-study. That's just the kind of person I am. And I kind of had a little bit of a freakout. And I was very fortunate to meet this uh, guy. His name was Lev. And he has uh, two PhDs. He had two PhDs by the time he was 27. One in, I believe, information theory. The second in machine learning. And it turns out that Lev's wife actually was a – or is a university professor in speed reading Uh, she developed a lot of these methods and took a lot of uh, courses and training because she was dyslexic as a child. And so she brings the kind of speed reading and he brings the information architecture and learning aspect. And together they've developed uh, basically this course that they offer to corporates here in Israel, university students and so on. And the funny story I always tell is uh, Lev and I kind of chatted around the water cooler and identified that we had a couple similar interests and then Lev has this habit of, you know, if you find something interesting, he'll email it to me. The problem is Lev reads 100 to 200 <laughs> news articles a day over his morning coffee, right? Wow. So I'm coming in at like 9 in the morning. He's been there for 10 minutes and I have 15 emails. And I'm like, what? what is with this guy? Does he just have a treasure trove of like articles? And then I'd send him an article and he'd write back after two minutes with half a page of notes. I was like, what? What is with this dude? Like, has he just read all of TechCrunch at four in the morning before I sent it? So I go in there to his office to say, you know, if you're not gonna read the article, don't send me your comments. (laughs) Just tell me you don't have time to read it. And I see him like scrolling up and down on the page. I say, what are you looking for? Why don't you just hit Control F? He says, I'm not looking for anything, I'm reading. I was like, okay, hold on. I, I remember exactly where I was, the exact room. I even remember what he was wearing. I was like, there's no way this is the real deal. You're you're pulling my leg. And we kind of talked for half an hour. And uh, lo and behold, I I was really fortunate. Uh, His uh, wife had kind of an opening where she could tutor me. And over the next, I think it was six to eight weeks, we sat a couple times a week and really intensively worked on speed reading. So that was really, really great.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. It is one of those things, right place, right time. But it also requires... I mean, I truly believe you put yourself in that situation. You were totally. maximizing your opportunities. You jumped in head first. You tried new things. I mean, you know, it's the onus is on us often to seize those opportunities when they are in front of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's give our listeners a little taste of uh, memorization and speed reading. So what are some things that they can do uh, to, you know, work on, their memory? I mean, really, to make it a better, a better treasure chest.
2: Yeah, that's a really great question. I'm glad you asked. Uh, the main thing that they need to do is get over this idea that some people have a good memory and some people have a bad memory. A lot of times at cocktail parties, people will ask, what do you do? And I mentioned I teach accelerated learning and memory. And they go, oh, I need your course. I have the worst memory. You don't have a wor- a, the worst memory. You don't even have a bad or good memory. You probably don't know how to use your memory. And so that's the first step, is get over this notion that some people you know, have a quote-unquote eidetic memory, also a, a huge misnomer. The difference between you and I and someone like Joshua Foer, who trained literally one year and won the U.S. memory competition, is he knows how to use his memory. He knows how to hack the techniques. He knows how to take advantage of different evolutionary skill sets. And, uh, and average people do not. So that's the first thing. The second I would say is uh, to learn how to use your visual memory and to invest in techniques. And when I say techniques, I'm talking about the uh, – there's something called the major method for memorizing numbers, which you convert numbers into sounds. There's a very important technique called memory palaces where you create visual icons for all of your memories and store them in physical locations of imagined or memorized places. It, I realize this is, can all be a little bit overwhelming, but those, those are the major first steps.
1: I will say that the memory palace thing, I mean, I have never come across something that insane. I read the book by Josh Foer. and Amazing, right? Yeah, I mean, years ago, has to be five years ago, and in mm-hmm. it, he gives an example of a grocery list. Yep. And it's completely random. And I still, I can't remember all of it anymore. I think yeah, yeah. after about three years, it started to fade. But yep. I mean, three years later, I was like, oh, a tub of yogurt, a bottle of red wine, flowers, like yep. And pickled it was, garlic. Yeah, I, I remember yes. the list as well. Yeah, crazy. It's insane. Yeah.
2: It's insane. <laughs> I, uh, I've, recent, I've only recently, I'll admit, I've only recently really seen, and in the course I say, you know, this isn't a technique I use, but here's memory palaces. That's changed actually in the year since I recorded the course because of Joshua Foer's mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. And I've realized that it's actually such a powerful technique. But um, I have lists stuck in my head. I can't get rid of them from weeks ago. <laughs> Like two, three weeks ago, I was meditating, and I decided that instead of, you know, you're supposed to observe your thoughts and let them pass, that kind of stresses me out because I have these strokes of insight when I'm meditating. And I decided, you know what? The way I'm going to let them pass is I'm just going to put them on a bookshelf. And uh, so whenever I have a distracting thought of, you know what I should do? I should email Chris about the smart people, so on and so forth. I put it on a bookshelf. It's been three weeks, and I still have this bookshelf. Every single item itemized on there. And most of the items, by the way, I've already done, you know, a couple of them were research items, a couple of them were emails. It's stuck there, which is great, you know.
1: That is, that's bizarre. It really is. It's totally bizarre. Well, let's talk about speed reading. So Mm -hmm. uh, how is that done? Like, give us a little bit of the, you know, imagine we're sitting down with Lev in this situation, right? And he's first explaining it to you and blowing your mind. Give that to us.
2: So... Yeah. Well, it's 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 hard to imagine I'm Lev because he has just a different operating system. Um, you know, he's one of those people who just thinks completely differently from from the rest of us. But uh, I'll, I'll break down really what speed reading is about, uh, and the example I always give is I'll pull up a picture on my phone and I'll flash it in front of someone's face for two seconds, and I'll say, "Tell me everything you can about this picture. Everything." And they'll go on for one or two minutes. Well, in the background, there was a field of wheat. There were two horses. One of them was being ridden, so on and so forth. Um, and they'll just go on and on about the colors and the compositions. And I'll say, I gave you that image for two seconds, and you just gave me 1,500 words, right? It's a huge ability to absorb information visually. Basically, when we speed read, we do exactly that, uh, When most people read, what they're doing is actually converting the words into auditory information, right? And we call that sub-vocalization. They're hearing the words as they read. And that's really the product of an education system that's tailored for mass consumption. You know, you had a teacher. She was probably teaching 20 to 30 students at once how to read. And so the fastest way was to teach you to sound it out. When in fact, uh, the best way is to say these three characters together mean dog. Uh, and when you see this, you should think dog and don't sound it out. Uh, it takes a lot longer to teach someone to do that. And so we don't, but when we speed read, we go back and we break that old habit of sounding it out and we just see chunks of symbols. So essentially I look at a page, I see the quick brown Fox. I don't hear the quick brown Fox. I visualize a quick brown Fox just from those symbols. And that's all text really is. Uh, from there, once you've been able to do that, you've sped up your reading probably by two, 300%. From there, it's just a matter of, uh, moving your eyes in the right way. Most people don't realize that you're actually not absorbing information while your eyes are moving and your eyes can't move fluidly. So if you look at your left hand and then try and smoothly look at your right hand, you can't. Uh, and you're, you're not completely blind. The optic nerve is still working, but you're functionally blind while your eyes are moving. So we try to minimize motion on the page. We try to expand the focal depth of the eye. So we're seeing more words at once. And we try to waste less time using that focal range of the eye on white space. So we teach people not to look at the edge of the column. And that's it. Like I said, the speed reading itself is, uh, is really the easy part.
1: Yeah, that sounds easy. I mean, like, come on, how do I, you know, I mean, I guess in theory, it sounds easy. What I'm struggling with is how I've been reading the same way for decades at this point. And how do I break that? How do you teach people to break that? I mean, I, so college was pretty easy for me because I read, when I read a dense anything, I read it really slow and I highlight, but I, Mm. my retention is like I can almost remember where did I highlight certain things and then what was that sentence. And mm-hmm. so I didn't go to a lot of lectures because I could just remember stuff from the textbook. But Amazing. yeah, but that's like, I mean, again, I knew it was going to be very long. I was, it was going to take me a long time. I can't right. imagine, I almost hear myself reading, you know. I can't imagine switching that.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that is a huge challenge. I'll be completely honest with you. I still, if I'm tired or I'm not paying attention, I'll still revert back to kind of Mm. sub-vocalization. So I have to still pay attention and I've been speed reading for three years. So it is super hard to break those habits. With that said, the way we do it is something called progressive overload. Uh, And the example I like to give is weightlifting Um, because it's similar. If you go into the gym and you always lift A weight that's comfortable for you, you're never going to get stronger. If you lift something until you get to failure, uh, you're going to get stronger. And the next time you can up the weight and up the weight. And so we encourage people actually to read faster than they can comprehend and read faster than they can sound the words out. And by doing that, you know, there will be periods of weeks or months where you need to find things that are not uh, critical to read because um, you're not going to get a lot, to be honest with you. I remember sitting with Anna. Anna was the other tutor. And having her take me through a chapter of a book at lightning speed and then saying, you know, I don't remember any of that. And she said, <laughs> that's fine. Next time you'll remember 10% more than I don't remember any. And so that's, unfortunately that's the method is progressive overload. We don't throw you all the way in the deep end, but we do want to read faster than the than the mind can comprehend and catch up. And that's actually an area where a lot of people fail is they say, I'll just try and read faster and faster and faster, but they're held back by their sub-vocalization.
1: Right, exactly, yeah. Well, and I think I'm glad you say that because anything worth doing is going to take some time. I mean, if somebody tells you, oh, you could speed read, I can teach you this in a day, and it's just hacking your brain, like, come on, we know that's not the truth. So it's one of those things, there's massive benefits, but as with anything, you're going to have to learn it. Of
2: course, I I always love. uh, There's an uh, chapter in the Four Hour Workweek, which is uh, the PX method: double your reading speed in ten minutes. And and I just love that because, by the way, it's to this day, ten years after the book's published, it's still highly ranked as like a Google search. People are searching for this every single day, and uh, you know, there's this huge need. But I mean, I can double your reading speed in ten minutes, no problem. Probably what what I've told your readers, are, or your listeners, I'm sorry, will probably already double their reading speed. Sure. The question is, how much are you going to remember? Right. And there's a great Woody Allen quote to that effect, which is, uh, I I took a speed reading class and we sped read War and Peace. It's about war. That's the exact
1: same principle. <laughs> That's awesome. That was great. Well, Jonathan, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I I wish we could just keep going, but... Um, the good news is you have put all of this information much more in a linear, easily digestible format in your course that you are so graciously offering to the Smart People Podcast listeners at a discount. So I was hoping you could let us know uh, how we can take your course and, and what we do for that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the course normally retails at $149. we are offering it to your listeners for $39. Uh, and we promise it'll give you at least 10 times as much value. And you can actually, I've created a short link for your listeners. So they can go to jle.vi, that's johnlaryedward.victorindia forward slash smart people, And that will take them to the coupon code link, or they can go directly to Udemy, find my course, and put in the coupon code people.
1: That is awesome. And also, uh, that's your website, right? JLE.VI. So you can go check out your blog and more about what you do.
2: Indeed, indeed. And actually, I've been very inspired by what you guys have done with the podcast. So I I hope soon in the near future to have a podcast on a little bit of a different uh, vein involving super skills and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, you got to do it. And like I said, I'll help you out with that. So let's keep in touch for sure. Awesome. All right, Jonathan. Well, thanks again so much. I really appreciate it. Um, My pleasure, Chris. My pleasure. All right, Jonathan. Enjoy the rest of your, I guess it's nighttime over there. Indeed. Uh, Indeed. All right. Have a good one. I'll talk to you later. Take care, Chris. Bye-bye.
0: Welcome back. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Jonathan Levy. Don't forget you can pick up his course on Udemy, Become a Super Learner, Learn Speed Reading and Advanced Memory, using our discount code smart-people for 89% off. That's right. It's only 15 bucks. You save $134. Go out there, grab it, and increase your words per minute for your reading, as well as your retention and understanding. Guys, if you enjoyed the podcast, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave a review, rating, and comment there. We truly do appreciate when you guys leave feedback for us. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can email us at smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com or shoot us a message on Twitter at smartpeoplepod. Hope you guys enjoy the Thanksgiving holiday and spend it with your friends and family. Try not to go too crazy during Black Friday and Cyber Monday. But if you do, don't forget to use the Amazon banner at smartpeoplepodcast.com or use the convenient link smartpeoplepodcast.com slash Amazon.